Hello, and welcome to On the Dresser, where your bi-weekly dose of sex, gender, culture, and politics. I'm Dr. Vanessa Carlisle. And I'm Danny Cruz. Our discussions come from the perspectives of queer sex workers and sex educators. We call our special brand of knowledge... Edutitillation. This week on On the Dresser, we are bringing you a special treat, which is we're talking to the band Copy Slut. I don't feel like we actually market ourselves as queer. We're actually trying to disidentify a little bit and we're trying to normalize being queer in a way by not claiming it, but just being it. They're a Bay Area-based band. Um, They're chock full of queerness and uh, out-of-the-closet sex-working artists. And so often on On The Dresser, we're talking about sex and sexuality directly. Sometimes we're talking about sexual politics or sex worker politics and the sex worker rights movement. This week, we're looking at some art and we're looking at the development of a band that um, is about to celebrate their one-year anniversary. They have a show coming up June 8th at the El Rio in San Francisco. And they began as a love project. They just wanted to play music together. And then it sort of took off. Yeah. And it's really exciting to watch their development. Yeah. So we usually don't have musicians on the show. I mean, we had Jacob Latral mm-hmm. uh, when we were on the radio, but we don't usually like what, what, why did you want to have copy slot on other than them being our cute friends? <laughs> so it feels like one of the things we're trying to do with on the dresser is build community around uh, our values. Right. And we have certain values here about uh, lifting each other up, holding each other up, helping each other um, move towards the, the goals that we have. And um, Copy Slut is a queer band sort of built on the same values. So it really felt like a good fit to talk to them and talk about how they're doing what they're doing um, and to amplify what they're doing with, you know, to our listeners. Um, I think that anytime you're out of the closet as a queer person or out of the closet as a sex worker, you are already making something political. So, you know, you come out of the closet for your own sort of psychological well-being or to, or to challenge a status quo. And then the consequence of that just keeps rolling out. And so I wanted to highlight Copy Slut for this because I really think that they're doing they're doing what they want to do and they're doing something that makes them feel good. But that's also really brave. Like if you're a queer person and if you want to dress sexy and have your ass out and all that, like doing what you want to do and doing it with confidence and doing it with, um, you know, a, a desire to sort of bring people in and, and help them um, enjoy the music and enjoy the experience together is I think it's brave and I think it's really fun. And I think that it's a, it's a community event. Like their shows are community events where people come in and they feel things and they're changed. <laughs> wow. And when you're queer, you have to create those spaces. Like I know there's people who go to queer churches. I know that's a thing, but like a lot of us grew up in religious coercion. Um, and that's not something we talked about a lot in the interview, but I know that um, one of the band members is actually pretty open about that too, that she grew up in a, in a pretty coercive religious environment. And so when you, when you want to create spaces for like strong group feeling or like, we're, we're going to go through something together. We're going to, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to build something together. We're going to play together. We're going to make music together. All those things. You do have to kind of get over something if you've been coming from a, from a coercive childhood. I think I have to anyway. 
So I really wanted to celebrate that too. That they're creating these spaces for people to have, you know, uh, um, an encounter with the music and with the community. Cool. <laughs> All right. So let's meet Copy Club. Okay. I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourselves to our On the Dresser listeners. We're Copy Slut. My name is Charlotte. I'm the vocalist. And uh, my name is Ray. And I play guitar. All right. So I'm in Oakland with Copy Slut, who I think of you as a queer band. But when I was looking at your Bandcamp stuff, I didn't see that word anywhere on your stuff. And so that's really one of my first questions for you is like, do you consider yourselves like a queer, like queer artist, queer music, or are you de-emphasizing that? Or how's that working for you? So we play a lot of queer spaces. I think we are very much self-evidently queer when people see us, um, when we play shows, we often play with other queer bands and we definitely try to hype up other queer artists. That being said, I don't feel like we actually market ourselves as queer in the sense that it's not a label that we're trying to take on because we're actually trying to disidentify a little bit and we're trying to really, um, I don't know, normalize being queer in a way by not claiming it, but just being it. Got it. So it's, uh, you're, sh- you're showing not telling or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or at least not using it as a way to market ourselves. I feel like there's a way that identities get marketed as, and like, you know, you see this in sex work too, where it's like, you know, you, you fetishize something about yourself or whatever, and you choose to market like an identity or a label. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the ways in which we are queer or gender bendy or sex workers or mixed race or fat, it's like, we don't necessarily explicitly say those things, but we leave the breadcrumbs. So people who get it will get it. And people who don't get it won't get it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And And also it's like we kind of do our music is like kind of inner genre. Like it's not maybe explicitly about any one thing, but it's like um, it's kind of like fucking the box a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. I think the more that we try to define ourselves, the more we kind of push against the box. We're like, no, we can't be defined. Like we tried to define ourselves as country, but then we ended up playing a lot of punk. And then we, <laughs> then we try to define ourselves as punk. And we're like, wait, we, we don't really feel that punk. We kind of feel more glam. And so it's like a constant fluidity um, with the way that we express our art. And do you feel like there is an identity for the band that's forming? Because I think that that's something that people who are in the early stages of making music sometimes have like too many things going on. And it, and it's like, there's, there's, mm-hmm. it's hard to know, like, what exactly are they doing? Um, and maybe that's, maybe that is queer music is too many things going on. And what are they doing? Maybe that's what it is. And it's just the music industry that tells you, you have to have one or two things that you could put on your Spotify, you know, ID or whatever. Um, but there also is something to be said for having, uh, a voice that feels clear, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you balance those things? Well, we are starting, you know, coming up on our, we are coming up on our one year as a band in June. So 
it definitely, I think that, yes, we are, con- we like to keep changing our genre. We, genre, we started as like emo country glam rock and yeah, like, like Ray was saying. And, um, now we're like slut groove glam rock and somebody <laughs> <laughs> like emo country got a date. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that we are gaining kind of like our sound is becoming more clear as we play with all the different things. Like this is the first band I've ever been in. And so I also am finding my voice at the same time as we are trying to find who we are as a band. And we weren't really trying to like be a band that's going to make it, you know, when we first started, it was like playing music together because karaoke, you know, people drink a lot and maybe we're trying to take care of ourselves in different ways. And, um, it was like, you know, very like a group, like kind of group therapy or very supportive. And because of that, it's like, sure, great idea. Everything's a great idea right now. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. And as we're getting like more experience with each other, more comfortable with each other. I do think that preferences, you know, and what we really identify with is becoming more clear, but it's still definitely in process at this stage. So when you, so when you first started playing together, you didn't have like a, let's make a record and sell a bunch of (laughs) things. But do you have kind of a vision for the band now that feels a little more codified or visions hopes we definitely have visions like we want to play the warfield and like little right. goals like that you know i think what started in the beginning and something that i think we're trying to hold throughout whatever our process is is that like charlotte was saying this is a group therapy this is a container for us to be vulnerable with each other and really build each other up we're really about making each other feel safe and that feels like the forefront of what we're trying to do. And I hope that extends to people at our shows. And it's really, it feels like we're really trying to show and model how to create that kind of vulnerability. Because vulnerability often leads to trust and trust leads to healing and that whole cycle of life. It's just the kind of reception that we've got has been like, oh, you should play this show or people have like mm-hmm. cold called, called us. And, you know, for our first like six shows, we never like we never reached out to get booked. It was like people kept asking us. And so we're like, maybe we should do something with this energy and keep it going. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting and kind of like freaked me out a little bit because I'm also used to having a more private presence in the world. And I've had to choose a lot around like okay, am I going to be out? And that might've informed some of the, like not being explicitly out about being queer or a sex worker, but leaving the breadcrumbs. If people want to find them, they'll find them. And there's deniability, you Mm. know, if like, I don't know. No, no, there (laughs) isn't. (laughs) It's getting more emotional for me, you know? (laughs) I mean, I would say that at this point, if somebody found your social media, you are out of the closet as queer and as a sex worker. Definitely now. Yeah. When when we first started, I think I was trying to, like, I was just, like, it was just a more vulnerable, like, I don't, it was just something I hadn't really done yet. Mm-hmm. And I, in, and you know, when I look back on like when I was, you know, seven years ago as a baby stripper, I was like, I'm going to keep everything totally on lockdown. And then as I got older, I'm like, fuck, that's exhausting. And I'm not going to do that. And 
now that we're like actually trying to promote ourselves, I absolutely can't do that because that's like impossible to promote yourself and be private. How has that been for you, Ray? Those those choices about the, the personal being public? Yeah, it's, you know, hearing you talk, I also think about the ways that we use character in our performance too. And I feel like character development really does give a kind of an, another kind of container um, to be able to like take maybe something personal that's going on in your life, channel it through some weird ether that cr- that <laughs> surrounds this character, you know, and be able to healthily detach from things that are going on in your private life and also have a place to transform it, to make art about it, to sh- connect with other people and hopefully foster connection to people who are watching us. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I mean, I've been in a lot of different bands through before this project and they've all been really different. I've always been in like the metal scene. I've been like the dyke in the metal scene and I tried to like make it political and it really fell flat for me, um, personally. And so I feel more excited about this project because I actually feel like I can put some of myself into it and I actually feel like I can stand out. Whereas I feel like in the metal scene, I often was overshadowed. And not really, never really felt safe enough to really, like, put myself out there. So it feels really healing for me. That's amazing. That's that's great to hear. Especially because if there's momentum building, if the project has momentum building. Oh, you, I'm sorry, listeners, but you just missed the cutest thing ever. <laughs> it was just like some loving eye-gazing and hand-holding that happened. <laughs> that was really was derailing. It was so cute. Um, there's... There's a, this kind of balance of like fighting for space, right? If, if you're the dyke in the metal scene, there's a the in front. You're like by yourself. Mm-hmm. And maybe you met one other, you know, but like you're like by yourself, right? And you're mm-hmm. fighting for space and then you're getting dominated. And then, and there's a lot of conflict there. And it really seems like what Copy Slut is doing is like just not even engaging that kind of conflict, like not trying to fight for space, but feeling invited to create the work you're creating in spaces where people want you there already, which is like mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. ideal moment. I, I just, I'm really excited to hear that for you. Yeah. And how does it feel to do that out being out of the closet about sex work, Charlotte? Well, I just came out on for the first time explicitly on stage at our two shows ago at the Parkside. In San Francisco. And it was, it felt like a safe place. Like the homemobiles were playing and it was like a queer, you know, night at the bar. I don't know if there's, it was always a queer bar, but it was like a very queer presence. And I, you know, you never know when you ask like, how many hoes do we have in the audience? Like, yeah. <laughs> if it's going to be like, you're a hoe, you know, <laughs> people are going to be like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, like, it was just the way I was dressed because I was, like, wearing old stripper gear or what, but people, like, there was a positive reception to it. And it seemed like other people who identified as hoes or sex workers were in the audience. And I felt really compelled to just because of everything going on with SESTA. And I don't always feel compelled to, like, assert or, like, be like, we are a sex worker band because we're not just a sex worker band. I'm a sex worker, but we're like a lot of different things. And we intersect or like have commonalities between the different ways that we like what we bring to the table. And it felt really vulnerable and it also felt good 
it's like, let me live. (laughs) Let me live. I remember when I got my first tattoo or decided to shave my head. It's like there are moments I'm like, I can't not just like live the way I want to live anymore. Yeah. And it was cool at that same, the Parkside show, the band came on, um, at the end of the night and they really recognized that we had a sex worker anthem that we were playing. And that was Mm -hmm. the first time I really noticed that being called out or not called out, but acknowledged publicly. And it was, it's just seemed like a really beautiful experience to have that validated. And like they played their own like stripper anthem right after that. And so it was a really cool like dialogue. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the song, The Offering. I feel like music in general has been a way that I process trauma and a way that I process like things that I'm going through, happy or difficult or whatever the feeling is. It's like music often punctuates or helps the feelings move through. And um, so I tried to use, you know, a current experience that I was trying to like process in the lyrics. And we, we opened up a bottle of wine that was called The Offering, and that's where the song got its name. But without going into too much detail, the song is basically about violence between sex workers who love each other very much and um, trying to heal that, you know, trying to move through what it looks like for people who have experienced oppression to then turn on each other and hurt each other. The line, do you feel like a champion horse? I don't know if you remember asking me if I felt like a champion horse (laughs) after a particularly hard night. No, I don't. (laughs) You had an old horse ribbon that was like a champion horse ribbon that was in your like donate, give to DI, give to the, you know, giveaway box that you were going to drop off at a thrift store or something. You were like giving me these little like care, you know, meaningful care offerings after spending a really difficult night with me after I experienced some violence towards myself, uh, my body. And you said, do you feel like a champion horse? And I was like, no. And then you're like, well, do you feel like that little carousel pony on the like ribbon? That's like the champion horse ribbon. And I was like, yes, I feel very much like that little carousel horse and that actually is a large part of the you know there's <laughs> references to being on a carousel to going on the merry-go-round mm-hmm. to you know and not feeling like a champion horse mm-hmm. but being filled with remorse mm-hmm. um yeah so I guess you're very much in that song now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it but also good work old girl was something that another probably even older ho than you had said to you <laughs> I do feel that energy Mm -hmm. in the song where it's like really trying to connect through generations to like take care of ourselves. You know, it's like we don't want to hurt ourselves or each other. 
Mm-hmm. So then how do we, how, what do we heal? How do we adjust in order to get to a point where that's not happening or that when it happens, we're able to recognize it faster so we mm-hmm. can get ourselves safer faster or, you know. Well, and that's part of the whole message of the offering. The song is very disjointed and it kind of goes a lot of different places, different time signatures. Um, and there's an intro of the song that starts with offering and then it comes back with a reprise and that it really feels like the healing journey. And when you're making an offering, you're making, you're sacrificing something in yourself to, in the hopes and the trust that it will come back to you in some way. And that's part of like the commitment to heal a relationship that's been harmed. It's making an offering to that relationship and really just like, be like shit's fucked right now. And, you know, I'm here to make a, take a risk, make a sacrifice in order to, reach that healing that will hopefully ripple out intergenerationally too. Yeah, I like that description a lot. Tell me a little bit about the end of the song. Well, it's kind of twofold because there's two melodies going on. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the one you're singing? You can you can go, go for it. Okay, I'll go for it. Uh, so I'm kind of in the background and it comes from like an old like Mexican slash Latinx I guess kind of song prayer thing that sana sana colidera sino sana hoy sanarás mañana and um, it basically just means <laughs> it's a prayer or blessing song that parents or grandparents will sing to their children when they get hurt or when they get sick and it basically means um, heal heal little hair of the frog um, if you don't heal today you'll heal tomorrow and <laughs> it's for me, it felt really important to me because as someone who's Latinx, mixed race, um, I often feel really disconnected from my culture. And that feels like self-reassurance to me. It also, it feels like a healing prayer for the people that we're singing to. And kind of the hope, instilling hope that even if we're not going to heal today, we can trust that there is a future and we can heal then. And whenever I sing it live, I'm always like locking eyes with some of the other Latinxes in the in the house, and it feels so healing to like have that connection. You know, I see the recognition in their eyes, and we all feel like little kids again, being nurtured by like our grandparents, our abuelas, and yeah, it's really beautiful. And so I, I'm singing that underneath uh, what Shar is singing. Yeah, and I'm I'm singing strong thighs, hips wide laboring bodies don't hide and kind of like a mantra and so it's like repeats like four or five times and um and you know if you've ever given a lap dance (laughs) you know what strong thighs or or like you know you must have them you must have them (laughs) to appear witless (laughs) um and you know I'm trying to like leave, like I said, the breadcrumbs of like leaving like hips, strong thighs, hips wide, um, and laboring bodies. I really was, you know, calling out to the sex workers and to like not hide. And that was part of my own, I think part of some of the like harm that gets caused is from feeling like you have to hide things or like repressing things Mm -hmm. and being able to like live out and live loud and, um, can be a way to heal. And also just like an acknowledgement, kind of like that good work old girl is like, I say that before I go into the 
strong thighs, hips wide, laboring bodies don't hide. And it's funny because our drummer, Kendall, who can't be here today because she's visiting family, I think on the East Coast. Yeah, we love you, Kendall. Yeah. Um, she somebody asked her, like, oh, so what's what's your that song about? And she was like, it's about I think childbirth, um, <laughs> labor. <laughs> <laughs> and ha- starting a family <laughs> and I was like yes also yes mm-hmm. and you know it felt like the the in- the connection between um all like kind of reproductive labor whether mm-hmm. it's fucking or actually having a baby or taking care of that baby or whatever it looks like you know um I do think that there is that kind of double entendre between like laboring bodies and like strength that comes from like our, our hips and how all of that really feels connected to the, like being grounded for me. I mean, it's a great misunderstanding that creates meaning or Mm -hmm. something, right? Like a meaning making through a a different reading of the thing, because I think that there's, uh, there is also in that song, if someone can hear it being about childbirth, there's a queering of the role of the mother that goes on there then you know mm-hmm. because the if the role of the mother is some sort of like heterosexual role but this is a sex worker song and it's queer people singing it there's something that really shifts there if there's also childbirth as part of the interpretation mm-hmm. um, and that's really fun to have that sort of versatility in the meaning so mm-hmm. I really enjoy that yeah the ambiguity allows for more interpretations and more people to relate to it too you know mm-hmm what else do you want people to know about Copy Slut? Um, I do feel like mentioning Reiko Rosh. She's done a lot of the art. Like, she did the art for the demo that you can see on our Bandcamp and also our logo for our T-shirts, and she also did that. Um, and so she's she's a dope artist, sex worker, cool, rad person. Um, so I do feel like shouting out to her. And all of the, like, and she, you know, she's probably our number one fan believer. <laughs> <laughs> How can people find you? So we're on, we're trying to get on all the medias, but we currently have Instagram, our Facebook, and our demo is up on Bandcamp. And those are the main places that you can find us and find our music. Uh, we also have a lot of live footage up on YouTube. Yeah. And Instagram is probably our, the one I enjoy most. So it has, like, I, I mean, I think we enjoy posting on that one the most. Mm-hmm. And that's at Copy Slut Band. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the name real quick. What is what is Copy Slut? Well, we started as a cover band. Mm-hmm. And our first show was a queen cover set for Pride Weekend. <laughs> I love, you know, I think that's probably our, one of our greatest, inf- our biggest influences. I have a very show tuny voice and more classically trained vocal sound, um, like, Broadway-esque or choir girl. I don't know. Um, and I feel like Freddie Mercury really has that as well. And, um, yeah. And so first it was like going to be our cover band name. And then we were going to have like our originals is going to be a separate band project. I don't know. We had like all sorts of ideas (laughs) in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but we decided to keep it. And I really like the way you explain it, Ray. Yeah. Copy slut. We're sluts for copies. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're copy settlers, so for copies, it goes around and around in a circle. But basically, it also, it's really built upon the idea that all art, all ideas, nothing comes from a vacuum, right? It all comes from somewhere. And it's about, like, really paying homage to the people who came before you and really being upfront about it. I think, especially in, like western music there's like this weird emphasis on originality and like you have to come up with things a priori and that just doesn't really happen and it's actually about owning that it doesn't happen instead of trying to obfuscate the labor of people who are more marginalized like what happened with blues music um the ways that like black slaves really started writing it and like ripping off each other and then eric clapton came and patented everything it's really about like saying yes we're all kind of in this together in this collective unconsciousness whatever you want to call it and we're here to support each other and shout out to each other and build each other up instead of taking and plundering i love it thank you so much for this conversation um and i really look forward to seeing you live That was Copy Slut's new song, The Offering. That's a great song. I can't wait to see them live, especially after that interview. You can find more about Copy, Copy Slut Band on uh, Bandcamp. Where can they go? Yeah, so if you go to copyslut.bandcamp.com, you'll be able to listen to their song, Kitchen Think Gin, and their song, The Offering, which you heard here. You can also go to their website, which is copyslutband.com. Um, and you can find them on the social media at Copy Slut Band. Apparently, there's someone else with the name Copy Slut. <laughs> <laughs> so they're Copy Slut Band. Um, and they have a show coming up. If you're in the Bay Area, they have a show on June 8th at El Rio in San Francisco. It's their anniversary show. There's going to be new music. There's going to be new costumes. There's going to be new all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be super awesome. That's cool. Well, thank you for that interview, Vanessa. I really like, I hope, hope lots of people go Take a listen. Me too. Uh, you're listening to On the Dresser. We thank you for checking out our podcast. Our show is produced by the voices you're hearing, Dr. Vanessa Carlisle, uh, Lauren Kiley, and myself, Danny Cruz. Our music today was by Lou Gomez and Copy Slut Band. Um, you can find past episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're trying to grow in 2018, so please take a second, rate, review, and share our shows. I'm going to put an extra special plug in for this because, as some of you probably know, SESTA and FOSTA have done a lot to chill free speech about sex work and the sex work experience. This is a show about sexuality and gender. We're not only talking about sex work here, but we include sex work in almost every show because that's our community. That's who we are. That's where we're coming from. And frankly, it's hard out there right now. If you want to help us build community and help us communicate with each other and also help us communicate where we're coming from to people outside of the sex working world, you can really help us do that by boosting on the dresser. So your reviews, your shares, your subscriptions to on the dresser really do help sex work community thrive. Thank you. 
We also want to build community engagement. So send us your questions, send us your comments, anything you've heard on our show, um, any suggestions for things we should be talking about or signal boost to upcoming events. Uh, send those to onthedresser at gmail.com. We are on podcast. So if you open up your voice memo app, you can send us those questions and comments in, a, uh, in an audio form. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at On The Dresser. And Danny, how can people follow just you? You can find me on the Twitter at a Danny Boy or on Instagram at It's Danny Cruz. Vanessa? I'm on Twitter at V Carlisle, V for Vanessa. Carlisle is my last name, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. That's it for us today. We're going to play out to one of Copy Slip Band's new songs, Kitchen Sink Gin. But for now, all power to the people. All pleasure to the people. Good night and good fuck. Good <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>